Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to the podcast, Your Daily Drive. I am so glad that you are here. In this podcast, I want to talk about the danger of trying to be perfect. We know the Bible says that to obey is better than sacrifice. That's 1 Samuel 15, 22, a wonderful passage of Scripture. But that simple piece of biblical advice can create significant problems, particularly in those moments when we fail in our obedience. We want to be obedient, but we can't be obedient all the time. Now, there can be ditches here that we can jump into. We can just give up or we can strive to be perfect. Both of those would be wrong choices. And so I want to talk about in this podcast, the danger of trying to be perfect. If you want to read this podcast, please go to our website, rickthomas.net. There is a 2000 word article sitting there with the same title and you can read it and that would be fantastic. And you can also share it. In fact, please share it with somebody share it with one of your friends, several, and that would be wonderful. I have received several emails over the past few weeks, and I want to share three of those emails with you. I can't share them all because there have been a lot. In fact, there have been so many notes sent in that I decided to set up a page on our website. The title of the page is called Thank You. Oh, I'm sorry. It's called What People Are Saying That is the drop-down under the About link on our website, What People Are Saying. But the title of the page is Thank You for This Ministry. And I want to share three of those thank you emails because I think that you will find encouragement. You'll be encouraged by them. Donna sent in. She said, It's an honor to help as I have been helped so much by your materials in my own counseling as well as my own life. May God continue to richly bless your ministry to him and to his people. Thank you for always responding when I've had a question or when I've tried to find someone to refer to. Donna, thank you for your kind note. Thank you for taking the time to write that. And you are welcome. Rebecca said, I have learned much from your articles and I receive much needed encouragement day by day. Thank you for all you are doing to build up the body of Christ. You are a blessing to many. You're welcome, Rebecca. And Stephanie said, I'm so glad and and feel truly privileged to be able to support your ministry in this small way. Your ministry is such a great work of God, and you all have been a sacrifice, or you have sacrificed so much to continue its growth and development. Please know how much I and so many others appreciate all your efforts. I am also thrilled to hear that you'll be able to have one of your graduates help manage and distribute content even more broadly and give you help and support as you continue to expand. Stephanie, Rebecca, Donna, thank you for your kind notes. Yeah, we recently have taken on two of our graduates from our Mastermind program, Brandy and Chris are now working for us, doing some work, and I'm so grateful that they can. Part of the reason for that is because of Donna. 
and Rebecca and Stephanie and many others who are supporting this ministry. And that's what I want to encourage you to do if you can. If you're able to support us, would you do that? Our reach continues to expand. I did the math last week, and the people who are supporting this work, here's the fraction. It's 0. 0.0004, 0.0004. That is the number of folks that are supporting this ministry compared to the number of people who, who use this ministry, who benefit from it. Now, I don't want you to get all guilt-trippy on me unless you need to get guilt-trippy. That's not the point. Many of you can't support, and I am fine. You're not being judged, and you're not being compared to our supporters, but I'm just saying that there are some who can support who don't yet for whatever reason. And if you can, if you are in that place, would you be willing to support this ministry so that we can take on more staff to be able to accommodate the phenomenal growth this past year, 2017, has been our biggest year by far, and the, and the growth continues to increase day by day, and it is really hard to keep up, and it is a burden for me because I want to serve every person that comes to our ministry looking for help. It is what we do. It's the purpose of the ministry, but nothing is free. Everything comes with a price, even the gospel, as Jesus Christ gave his life so that we can enjoy the freedom that we enjoy as Christians. And this ministry needs to be underwritten so that we can con continue to devote more time and, and resources to help people. And so if you can, if you would, would you help? Now, please do not feel pressure or guilted. If you can't help, God knows that. Be free and enjoy our resources freely. My goal in 2018 is to turn everything on our website loose to make it free. And that's what I want to do because I want you, especially those who can't afford sound biblical help and you're not able to get it, I want you to receive it freely. But if you can help, please. Thank you so much. The title of the podcast and the article, The Danger of Trying to Be Perfect. We are told that obedience is better than sacrifice, and so we want to obey but we fail at it because we're imperfect beings, and there can be a temptation to strive for perfection. How many times have you come to the new year resolving to do better? How long did your doing better last? If it's like me, it didn't last a long time. Have you ever tried to be obedient all the time without ever failing because you want to please the Lord? You want to do right, your heart's in the right place, but you can't. To be obedient all the time is to be perfect all the time, and that is not possible. So how do you strive for obedience while not succumbing to the trap of perfectionism? Now, perhaps you have given up on being perfect. 
or maybe you haven't given up because you're striving, you're a striving perfectionist. The kind of obedience the Lord desires from us is complete obedience, which is more than external conformity to religious rules. The so-called holy people in the New Testament were the Pharisees. They had holiness down to a system. Then Jesus came along and blew up their externalism by calling them out. You can read about that real strong language in Matthew 23. Read the entire chapter. Jesus, Jesus was tough, biblically tough, on these external Christians. It, it was clear to Jesus, that there was a disconnect between their hearts and their behaviors. In fact, he said that in part of his speech to them in Matthew 23. Verses 27 to 28 said this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy. Strong language because of the disconnect between what their heart should be and what their external behaviors presented themselves to be to their community. Jesus says our obedience must go deeper than the Pharisees. He's talking about an obedience that transforms the heart. He said this in Matthew 5, verse 20, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about a deeper obedience than what the scribes and Pharisees were performing, putting on externally, behaviorally. It was a facade. They were hypocrites, as Jesus said in Matthew 23. How much easier would it be if we could only pretend to be holy rather than be holy? This temptation is why you must be careful with your critiques and observations about the Pharisees. It would be easy to stand on the other corner and mock these people, make fun of them, critique them, to critique the Pharisees as though you or I are different from them would be misguided. Different in the sense that there is a similarity, though you may be transformed by the gospel, you may be born again and they are not. I'm not saying that you're unsaved. But the Pharisees are one of the best reflections in biblical history of, of who we are and how we struggle and so we can certainly learn from them. Have you ever thought about that? We can learn from the Pharisees while hoping not to fall into the traps that had caught them. Here are four things that we can learn. Number one, listen to the word of the Lord. I'm going to talk about that in a few moments. Number two, know the repercussions of disobedience. Number three, Guard against selective obedience. And number four, trust the one who is perfect. And that's not you or me. Let's get into it. Number one, listen to the word. Our first call to action 
is to keep from falling into the trap, to keep from falling into the trap of the Pharisees, hard to say, is to listen to the word of the Lord. There is so much noise in our world that we can be so easily distracted. Our culture has created a perpetual noise machine that churns out high volumes of anti-God messages day and night. It takes a lot of intentionality and practice to hear the word of the Lord. Social media is the culture's latest buzz perpetuator that distracts us from exercising our minds by the word of God. This lack of biblical exercise leads to spiritual dullness, which is the warning from the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. The writer said this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. The word here is gymnasium, exercising. They're trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Without the daily heavy lifting of biblical exercise, our powers of discernment do not become trained to distinguish between good and evil, and social media is one of those current distractions that, keeps, that keep us from this kind of exercise. Spiritual exertion is required if you want to be perfect. It's the implication of James 1.22. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Spiritual exertion is required if you want to be perfect, if you want to be obedient. Of course, the rebuttal is that nobody spent more time in God's word than the Pharisees, which that may be true. But may I ask anyway, are you a student of God's word what does your study of God look like during any given week? Question three, are you being mastered by God's Word, which is a different question from studying God's Word? Yes, we want to study God's Word, but you want to push the envelope. You want to be mastered by God's Word. The Pharisees, by the way, were students of God's Word, but it was apparent that they were not mastered by it. We don't want to be just hearers only. Question four, what are specific areas of your life that are being reshaped by God's word? Point number one here is listen to the word. Point number two, repercussions of disobedience. Whenever the truth of the Lord is pressed out of our lives, regardless of how it is pressed out, there will, there will be a proportional adverse reaction from the Lord. We learn about this in Romans, where Paul talked about the side effect that happens to us when we press or suppress God's Word out of our lives. He said it this way in 118, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, 
who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, press it out of their lives. There are unalterable laws in our universe. What goes up must come down. Freedom requires boundaries. Sin equals punishment. Those are three unalterable laws. We were not allowed to be part of the divine tribunal when the Trinity established the laws of the universe. The creation, you and me, do not have that kind of privilege when interacting with the Creator. Without unalterable laws, our world would be chaotic. We see that in our culture today. The anti-God presuppositions of our culture say we can do anything we want to do, and you cannot judge the lawbreakers for their actions. If you want to kill your baby, it's legal. We call it abortion. If you want to marry a person of the same sex, you are free to do so. If you don't like your gender, you're free to call yourself another sex or nothing. It. IT. This mess is not how things are supposed to be. Our job should be simple. Accept God's rules. One of which is, if we push His truth out of our lives, there will be an appropriate, wrathful, counter-response from him. That is a universal law. Paul was clear in 118 of Romans. We'll never be free as long as we pick and choose how we want to live. None of us can live outside the Lord's teaching and expect no negative consequences for our transgressions. While it would be easy to continue this podcast by talking about the atrocities in our culture, It would be a better use of our time to reflect upon how we are similar to our culture's penchant for suppressing the truth. Let me give you three common examples of Christians who press the truth of God out of their lives. The angry parent cannot continue to press God's truth out of his life and not expect long-term negative consequences on his family. Illustration number two. The disrespectful wife cannot continue to press God's truth out of her life and not expect long-term negative consequences on her marriage. Illustration number three. The rebellious child cannot continue to press God's truth out of his life and not expect long-term negative consequences on his life. Saul, as an example, Saul in the Old Testament pressed the truth out of his life, and because of his disobedience, he experienced wrathful consequences from the Lord. You can read about that in 1 Samuel 135. He made four mistakes. He did not listen to the word of the Lord in 1 Samuel 15, 11. He partially obeyed the word of the Lord in 1 Samuel 15, 13, and 14, and 19. He blamed his disobedience on others in 1521, and he did not trust the Lord in 1522. How about you? Is there an area in your life where you are ignoring God's truth? If so, will you discuss this area with a friend? Question two, what have been some of the negative consequences you had experienced when you chose to disobey the Lord? That would be a reflective moment to think about, to learn from. 
And number three, how have you experienced the favor of the Lord when you were obedient to him? That would also be a wonderful opportunity to reflect upon the goodness of God. The title of this podcast is The Danger of Being Perfect. Point number one is we want to listen to the word. Point number two are the repercussions of disobedience. Point number three, guard against selective obedience. The expectations of the word of the Lord is deeper and broader than any of us can fully comprehend, which makes it a natural temptation to compare our list of obedient practices to the list of other people. Who has not done that? Though we may deplore legalism, we may deplore what the Pharisees were doing, which is a list-keeping, fear-based culture. We can be so easily duped into believing our obedience is better. It is more comfortable to be pleased with ourselves and to be happy with others because of our longing to be right in our own eyes. Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians 10. He said this, Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. If we truly understand how we're no different from the next person when it comes to being imperfect, none of us have arrived then our hearts should be softened to pity other people rather than comparing ourselves to them as though we're better than them. The kind, this kind of broken dad, the one who pities rather than being angry, the one who struggles with anger, when he is broken, he will be quicker to address his anger with his son rather than immediately jumping on his child. The frustrated wife who is self-righteously comparing herself to her husband will first repent of her failures. That's the first step in resolving their marriage problems. It is a perverted process to disregard your faults. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7 about examining the log in your own eye? It is perverted to disregard your faults while attempting to help restore another person with flaws Self-aware, broken people are the most effective when it comes to restoring other broken people. The filter through which the humble person sees others is through the growing reality that he is the foremost center, sinner. In 1 Timothy 1.15, may I ask, have you ever been critiqued by a person who believed you had the log in your eye rather than the speck. What about if we flip the question around, make it even better? Have you ever critiqued a person without first filtering your faults through the grid of humility? Question three, have you ever, have you seen the hump, have, how have you seen humble self-awareness bring down God's favor on your conflict resolution efforts? This point is guard against selective obedience. And then point number four, trust the perfect one. 
maybe you have listened this far and you thought, oh my, perfection is hard. I have been a failure because I choose selective obedience. I have been a failure because I have pressed the truth of God out of my life. I have been a failure because I read the word, but I'm not mastered by the word. I fail in so many areas of my life that I'm discouraged. I can never do this. I can never be perfect. And then Jesus is saying in the back of our minds that our righteousness must go deeper than that of the Pharisees. Well, if you are thinking that you are a failure, you're in the perfect place. You're in the best spot that you could possibly be. But if you think you need to work harder, you have not arrived at the starting blocks of progressive sanctification. The Pharisees never learned the impossibleness of perfection. They always tried harder. Now, I'm not suggesting that you disregard anything that I've said thus far and quit trying. But I am suggesting that you calibrate everything that has been noted thus far by a gospel wrench. We should always strive for holiness. But we must strive realistically. We'll never be perfect in this life. There are two dangerous ditches that you can fall into. The first ditch is perfectionism, striving to be perfect on your own, which is why I titled the podcast, The Danger of Trying to Be Perfect. The other ditch that you can jump into is passivity, giving up on your pursuit of holiness. We live in a relationship with the Lord, which means we have a role to, to play. We're not fatalistic robots. That role is somewhere between, one, I will never be perfect while living in this body of death, and two, I must cooperate with the Lord as he transforms me into Christ-likeness. There is a mystery between those two things, and you must, you must seek the Lord to learn how to walk between those two ditches. You don't want to be discouraged or driven to despair because you will never be perfect, and you never want to give up. You must cooperate with the Lord as he transforms you into Christ-likeness. One of the benefits and beauties of realizing you can never be perfect is that your hopelessness should point you to a better source to attain perfection. There was a man who was able to do better than Saul in the Old Testament, better than the Pharisees in the New Testament, better than me, your podcaster, and better than you. His name is Jesus. He is the only person who perfectly obeyed the Father in all ways. His gospel works uniquely qualifies him to step into our place receive the wrath of our disobedience, become the perfect sacrifice, which gives us access to and relationship with the Father. Jesus chose to do these things for us because none of us can do these things for ourselves. Be free.
trust the gospel, find rest in the gospel. Our striving for holiness comes after we have gained access to the Father through the works of Christ, not before. As though our practices are means to gain access to God, our practices, our obedience is not a means, not a vehicle that's going to take us to God. Our obedience comes after we get to God. And the way that we get to God is through Christ's obedience. And then after we get to Him, our obedience is motivated by gratitude for what He has done, not because we want to work to stay with Him. Here's your call to action. How are you doing at listening to the Word of God? And again, you can ask that question another way, not just listening, but how are you doing at being mastered by the Word of God? You, you want to be more than just hearers. Number two, how are you doing at obeying the Lord? Out of a heart of gratitude for what He has done, not out of a heart that is trying to gain access or favor with Him. Question three, how are you doing at owning your faults, not being selective in your obedience, but owning all of your faults? And then finally, number four, how are you doing at trusting the Lord, resting in Him? If you want to chat about anything in this podcast or anything else, go to rickthomas.net, jump on our forums. We will see you there. It will be a joy to serve you. Thanks for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.